You're listening to Direction for Life broadcast with Drs. Herbert and Marsha Bailey. For more information, visit rightdirection.info. We hope you enjoy today's broadcast. Today's message is Mean Christians by Bishop Herbert Bailey and Dr. Marsha Bailey. So, y'all know I've been telling, I've been saying threatening (laughs) for a couple months now that I was going to teach on this subject of mean Christians. So I'm able to work it in tonight. Mean Christian, don't 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 leave now. Uh-oh. You're gonna make me suspicious of you. Uh oh. Talking about these mean Christians, these mean Christians, um, y'all. You know, I've been, I've heard about things, and I see things, and um, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I saw, um, even during the the contention during the last presidency, and all that. I just. I just saw some some mean Christians and people who do stuff in the name of Jesus and uh, we try to justify it based upon taking a stand for righteousness or being believing the Bible or, you know, standing for truth. And you can justify it any way you want. At the end of the day, it's mean. Okay. If you spit in my face, is that mean? Okay. If you spit in my face uh, because I cussed at you, is it still me? Yeah. If you spit in my face because um, you don't believe that what I say is right. You, however you say it, spitting in somebody's face is me. No matter what the circumstance is. Amen. No matter what the, what the motivation is. Okay. You know. I mean, slapping somebody on stage. Ah, Bishop. It's it's me. It's me, right? Even saying certain things is mean. And so mean is mean all by itself. That's what I want you all to see. Mean is mean all by itself. Regardless of what your motivation is, why you say you are mean, mean is just mean. And there's nothing positive about being mean. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so you've heard me talk over the years about what I call Christian misnomers. Yeah. Misnomer is something that's just not supposed to get go together. It kind of cancels each other out. It's a paradox. Okay. Certain things that should not go before or after Christian, mm. like drunk Christians. Okay. And boy, that one drunk Christian right there. Okay. It just it just shouldn't go together. Um, promiscuous Christians. Mm. Uh-oh. It just shouldn't go to, somebody said, what does what promiscuous mean? I got children in here tonight. Okay. Hoeing Christians. Okay. Christians just sleep around with everybody. That, that shouldn't be the case. It's a contradiction to what a Christian is supposed to be, mean, and, and represent. Lying Christians. Stealing Christian, boy, I'm telling you, you better hold your pocketbook around that Christian. That's one stealing Christian right there. Okay. Yeah. We understand that doesn't go together. Okay. Likewise, mean Christians does not go together any more than drunk Christians supposed to go together. And so, look, let's start off here. Look at Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. And Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5, but especially Ephesians 4, um, Ephesians 4, Galatians 5, both of those 
chapters, really, Paul gives the characteristics of what a Christian is supposed to look like and be like. Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, uh, Ephesians 4, he tells us, gives us the behavior of a Christian. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, what I, what I really meant to summarize as I was teaching this afternoon, you're either mean or you're kind. No in between. Wow. Either a person who acts mean or your person who acts kind. And so the verse 31 is the mean side. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Uh, he said, put with all malice. And all, all this is a, a lot of this comes from. You know, stuff we got in us, sometimes it goes back generations. Sometimes it goes back to your childhood. There are people who are mean to you and has nothing to do with you. They're mean to you because they're mad at their mama. They're mean to you because they're mad at their ex-husband or their ex-wife. They're mean to you because they're, they, they're mad at the black man, they're mad at the white man, mad at society, mad at the Democrats, mad at the Republicans. And it spills over into all their relationships with other people. And that many times is, is what the Bible calls that root of bitterness. Yeah. Because when that root of bitterness take root, takes root and grows, was, um, it's, it's Hebrews 12 says, it defiles many. So it's no longer just defiling the person who has the bitterness in them. Right. It defiles many and it contaminates all other types of relationships. And now you have people who are just mean, who can't, uh, you know, the Bible talks about um, uh, Joseph's brothers. It said, I think, I think it said when after Joseph told him his dreams, it said they couldn't speak to him peaceably nor look at him peaceably. His brother just started being mean to him because of his dream. Um, you know, the Bible says that, that Saul made David his enemy. And started being mean to him. So mean that Dave, Dave was there trying to play, play that, that harp. And, and, and Saul would, would take the javelin. Okay. Or what we call a spear. And, and, and he, tried to, he, he tried to stick him to the wall with it. And so sometimes people can be bitter. And, it just, and all this stuff wraps up. It just makes you mean. Wrath. Anger. All, you have all this inner turmoil going on for whatever reason, and it makes you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've come to realize now, uh, and some of you heard me talk about Nana, my grandmother, who we affectionately, I grew up calling Nana, okay? And, and you know, I grew up calling, now I got another Nana living in my house with me. Who? Nana. <laughs> And, uh, but Nana, uh, I took, Nana bought me my, to this day, and Pastor Marcy used the book, she bought me my first, uh, at, you know, when I started preaching at the age of 12, she was proud of me. She, she's, one, she's the one who went to the preacher, Reverend Wright, and said, he wanted me a preacher. You need to let him preach. <laughs> I know, I know. That's how, that's how Nana talked. 
Okay, so they gave me the fourth Sunday in June, which is officially my, my preaching debut, the fourth Sunday in June. I just, I just had an anniversary, huh? what was that, four, probably 42 years. I'll go back to wow. uh, 1974. Wow. I mean, that's, that's 48 years. That's a long time. Lord Jesus. Anyway, it's 42 sound better since I've been preaching. And uh, so she brought me my first, she brought me my commentary, Matthew Henry commentary, Matthew, Matthew Henry um, uh, concordance, and a Bible dictionary, these big, and uh, I remember when she, she said, I bought you some books, make sure you use them. Okay. Um, I, I probably spent more time with Nana on Sundays than my siblings because I went to church, and now Nana wasn't missing church. And uh, the pastor used to call her the assistant pastor at Bethesda Baptist Church. He used to call her the assistant pastor because she knew everything. She's the person who knew all the dates, knew everything, and she made the announcements. Oh my God. <laughs> did, she, did she make the announcements? She made the announcements. Like, like that? Good morning. Good morning, Bethesda. And then she said, this afternoon, the, the, the usher board is having their anniversary at 3.30. Don't be late. Okay, now looking back, and I, I always walked on eggshell around Nana. My, my, and you, we, am I right? You met her later, okay, late in life. She always had that edge in her voice when she talked all the time, right? Well, she didn't talk like that to me. Well, maybe it was me, huh? <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear that. No, really, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't hear that. Well, I grew up with it, and, well, and, and so, and, and, and I realized, I remember as, as you know, as I, my, my grandmother was uh, born in Washington, D.C., okay, uh, I came across, we got at home, we, she, she, she graduated from high school, that was a big deal. She graduated from, from high school in like the 30s, okay, and that was, that was, you know, that was a big deal for, you know, for, for, for African Americans to finish high school. And, uh, uh, and, and I remember as we, she got older, I realized I knew nothing about her family, her side, of the Williams. Her, her maiden name was, was, was Williams, D.C. And I said, well, tell me. She said, I ain't got nothing to tell you. I said, well, what was it like growing in D.C.? I don't remember anything. And it occurred to me when I asked her that, something happened to her. Something happened she don't want to talk about, that she doesn't want to remember. But as a result of that, it at least, even if she was not mean, it made her sound mean all the time. If you sound mean all the time, then you're going to be viewed at, as, a mean, as a mean person. So whether you're kind or mean also is, is characterized by the tone you use with people, by how you respond. And so the Bible said we need to put all of that away from us and be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, the meanest of the mean are these mean religious Christians. And usually these mean, mean, mean Christians, they justify their meanness based upon some skewed view of the scriptures. I stand for righteousness. I believe in holiness. I stand on the word. I don't compromise with sin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And some of us who came out of those really, those dogmatic 
fundamentalist, Pentecostal, judgmental background. It was, it, it was like you were expected to be that way. You know, that meant you weren't soft on sin. And I came out of that, even as a young minister, even as a young minister, I came out of that. And some of that, even when I started pastoring, I had to, I mean, I had to grow. I had to grow to really be loving because I thought, you know, I don't compromise, you know. And, and there, was, there was a time, y'all, when uh, if, I, if I'm preaching and somebody walked in and I perceive based upon how they're walking and what they look like, what they are, what their lifestyle is, which is judging, my whole message would change. And they would become the target based upon what I thought I saw. <laughs> and, and the philosophy is, yo, you ain't going to sit up here comfortable. You ain't going to sit up here and be comfortable. So if I preached and targeted them long enough, if they got up and walked out, praise the Lord. Wow. I, have, I have stood for righteousness wow. and Preach the truth. No, you just mean. Mm. No, you just mean. Because people need to be able to sit long enough to hear altar call. Right, right. People need to be, I, I want you comfortable enough that I can get the whole truth to you. I, I want you to be comfortable enough that I can get you to understand that Jesus can change you. Mm. Mm. Are you following me? And so a lot of that stuff that we justify with religion, it's just, it was just being mean. It was, it was just being mean. And so the meanness of using these people justified their meanness based upon some skewed view of scripture, right? So, and one of the, one of the meanest <laughs> incidents in scripture is recalled in John 8. Most of us know it, but we're going to really look at this and dissect this thing. In John 8, this is the account of the woman caught in adultery. Or taken in adultery. John 8, starting in verse 2, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Won't you read, Pat? Can you read? Sure. Read. <laughs> they should even say, read me. Read. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Read. <laughs> what? Now, early in the morning. In what? In the morning. When? In the morning. Not at night. In the morning. See, some of y'all want to sleep too late. But the Bible says in the morning. Bob said a little sleep, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come on you like an old. When did it happen? In the morning. In the morning. See, y'all don't know nothing about that. Read. <laughs> he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Scandalous. Mm. She's going to hell. <laughs> And him. Ain't no him mentioning his. <laughs> uh, Read. 
Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So this is the account of the woman, the Bible says, taken in adultery. Now, there's several things here we got to look at. All right. At the end of the day, y'all, now it says the, the scribes and the Pharisees brought her to him. Well, let's, let's back up. Let's back up. First of all, we see in verse two that Jesus was he came into the temple. Where was he at? He's in the temple and he's he's there teaching them in the temple. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, more specifically in the very act. They, 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 they want us to know it was merely that she was in an adulterous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was merely going with somebody outside the marriage, whether she was married or he was married, or somebody was married, mm-hmm. but they weren't married to each other. Right. And and then the Bible said, not only she, she's not just uh, someone who, who has had an adult affair. She was caught in the very act. And last I knew. It takes two. It takes two to make a thing all right. It takes eee! two. Ha. It takes two to make it out of sight. Don't take two. It takes two. But they it only, takes two, baby. But, it, but they only got her. Uh, why is that? That's kind of, that's really, that's, that's just wrong. It's that whole, I don't want to go down that road. You know, but what's even worse is they say they, she, she was caught in the act, so they, they knew it was getting ready to go down. So they're voyeurs. They were well, watching. At least it was going down and they were watching. Well, before they... What kind of freaky-deaky... But the thing about it is... Voyeur. They had to know because they're in the house. They weren't doing it out in, well, in the street. We don't know what they were doing, but usually if you commit adultery, <laughs> it's in the you're house. trying to hide. Right. So they probably were aware and they waited. And I'm adding a whole lot yeah, of you stuff. You were adding a whole lot of stuff. But they had to wait because she was caught in the very act. They, they could have been looking in the window. They could have... Why are you looking in the window? Whatever reason, they caught her. They they in nasty adultery. too. I think they were upset. They just nasty. They was just wrong. So let let let's look at how mean this whole account is. It's real mean. It's really mean. You think about it, okay? To snatch this woman from the act of sex is mean mm-hmm. by itself. Yep. You don't have to agree with it, but but to to go and snatch somebody up while they in the act. That's mean all by itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. To drag her mm. out into the public. Was that mean. was mean. Now, we don't know. If they let her get dressed. If they let her get dressed. If they, we, most likely, uh, I, I would think she at least had a sheet on her or whatever. But she is being embarrassed publicly. That's mean. Publicly, so before she even gets to the temple, she's taken through the streets to get to the temple. That's mean. To further drag her into the temple was mean. To interrupt the temple service 
was me. Now these are these are scribes and Pharisees who are supposed to reverence God and reverence mm. the temple, but their malice mm. and meanness toward the woman was greater than their reverence for God. I want y'all to see that. Because if this woman is an adulterer, why bring her to the temple? They wasn't bring her in there to throw at the altar to repent. They would bring her in there to humiliate her, to embarrass her, but also to try to trick Jesus up. To tell her business to all present was mean. They didn't say, Jesus, come, 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 let me tell you Listen, we, we just got this woman here, and she was caught in adultery. Mm. This wasn't a private. They are letting everybody know what this woman has done. Okay? To do all this, furthermore, to do all this without doing the same to the man who was with her was especially mean to women. Some kind of way they bring her and leave him. Okay? Which is also something that unfortunately legalistic fundamentalist churches have a history of. Yeah. And that is being mean to women. Yeah. Mean to women in the name of religion. Mm. There's backgrounds where the woman gets pregnant or a young lady gets pregnant and they would make the woman come up in front of the church and confess and apologize supposedly repent before the whole church and without bringing the man unfortunately who may have been an elder in the church for all we know may have been one of the deacons for all we know that's just mean to women it's mean to women when men can wear whatever they want but the woman got to be all covered up because the man mm. got issues got issues so she got to make sure she ain't wearing nothing that's too shapely regardless of how shapely she is. Okay? Uh, which she got to be covered up from the neck, from the neck up. Got to have toes covered because, A toe. because of some freaky deaky man who need to be delivered from his toe fetish. My goodness. Yeah. Oh yeah. They ain't never talked about that. No, no, brother, you need, no, ain't, no, come on, no, come on. They wore sandals and Jesus did. Women had, okay, no, you need to be delivered. No, she don't need to be covered. You need to be delivered. Um, Billy Graham's daughter, I heard her tell this story one time. Now, this is Southern Baptist. I hate to say who going through all kinds of issues right now. They going through all, if y'all ain't heard, I ain't gonna expose it all. Amen. But the unfortunate Southern Baptist denomination, oh, it really is a fellowship of churches. They're going through all kinds of stuff, that things that have been exposed, and they finally acknowledge. Um, but Billy Graham's daughter, who was, part of, was, was a speaker. I don't think she called herself a preacher. And she was invited to something to preach in the Southern Baptist. And mainly men, but because she spoke, when, she, when they introduced her and she got up to speak, all the men took their chairs and turned them around so she could only they, so she could only see their back. I heard her tell this story. That's mean. That's, is that mean? If you don't want to come, don't come. 
You don't want to be there, but to try to but to try to make somebody feel humiliated and show them how much how hateful you are. That's just mean. And all and people do all this kind of stuff in the name of religion. Mm. We've oppressed women in the name of religion. Okay. I, uh, you know, I, they, 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 there was somebody I used to listen to. I used to say, uh, somebody, if I mention the name, you remember, but we used to have him in the early days. So he used to say, God can get more out of a man than he can a woman. And every time he used to say that, I used to think about that. Well, that depends on what we're trying to get done. God can't get more children out of a man than he can out of a woman. Am I right? See, so just, just even make a statement like that. And so the church has a history of oppressing women, being mean to women, okay? Um, uh, 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 treating women as second class. And this is another evidence of it because nothing was done to the man. Y'all see this? And unfortunately, y'all, just like this, we still got a lot of mean Christians today. This whole incident is just plain mean. And so they're trying to, to also trick Jesus up. They're trying to see, remember, I told y'all in, the, in, the, in, in Jewish religion, probably Abraham number one, Moses number second, number two, Elijah number three. They were the greatest patriarchs of all time. And so now the, 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 the one who was the lawgiver, Moses, they're saying, uh, Moses said we're supposed to, the law of Moses, in other words, right here, right here in Numbers, right here in Leviticus, right here in Deuteronomy, it said we're supposed to stone her. What, what you got to say about that? And interesting enough, Jesus, I, I, I noticed this as I was studying this earlier, Jesus stoops down, which is what Jesus came to earth to do, isn't it? He stoops down. Most likely, the woman's down. Her head's down. They've thrown her down in the midst of them. And Jesus gets down to where the woman is. Because that's what love does. Love condescends. Love love puts you on the level with the person rather than having you looking down on a person. Some words just don't go together. Mean and Christian are two of them. Being a mean Christian is a contradiction to everything that Jesus Christ taught us. In this message, Bishop Herbert Bailey and Dr. Marsha Bailey elaborate on what it means to be a Christian who displays the love of God in all areas. To order this message, call 877-798-5433 or order online at rdci.info via the store tab. Just ask for Mean Christians. Stay connected with us online or in person. Stream our services live on YouTube, Facebook, or rdci.info via the Watch Live tab on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Wednesdays, stream our Bible study at 12 noon and 7 p.m. On Fridays, Women's Bible Study airs at 12 p.m. If you're in the local area, join us for services in Columbia, South Carolina at 3506 Broad River Road. If you're in Orangeburg, Florence, or Fort Mill areas, Join us for live services there. To find out more about individual campus service times and locations, visit our website at rdci.info.